Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. What we're going to talk about today is the transformative power. The transformative power of Christianity, which is the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, the cross is the central theme. It is the thing that holds all of Christianity together. I'm not talking about a Baptist thing, a Methodist thing, uh, insert whatever denomination you want there. It is a Jesus thing. And I am unashamedly a Southern Baptist preacher, but I am first and foremost a believer in Jesus Christ. And he gets my loyalty. And you see, the death of Jesus on the cross, it changed everything. When someone decides to follow Jesus and allows him to transform their life, they become, the Bible says, a new creature or a new person. And so following Jesus means freedom from judgment, from our past mistakes and the promises of eternal life with God. I mean, I think everybody that has come to Christ at some point, they wanted a mulligan. They wanted a do-over. They wanted to say, look, I need a fresh start. And that is what Jesus offers to those who believe in him. And these positive transformations are not solely the result of personal efforts. It's not like you can do something to earn God's love. You cannot because you already have it. You cannot earn what you already have, my friend. God loves you. Uh, There was a video message that was one of the last messages that Billy Graham shared by way of video Several years ago, you may remember it, it's called the cross. And at the end of his life, he was still pointing Jesus to the cross through this video. Billy Graham, quite honestly, is probably the most renowned evangelist in our time. He dedicated his entire life to portraying the cross, not merely as a religious symbol, but as the ultimate act of sacrifice. Yes, I know some of you will... I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but some of you watch the Hollywood award shows and you you follow your favorite uh, entertainers on social media and some of them will have big crosses around their neck with necklaces and, and they'll have tattoos and all these other things of crosses. And what does it mean? The cross is so much more than something to adorn our body with jewelry or with tattoos. It is... The symbolism of salvation, that those who find the cross and yield to it will find not only purpose in their life now, but eternal life. So here's the point. By embracing the cross, we embrace a life transformed by God's grace, his forgiveness, and the promise of eternal life. Now last week, that was, that was a big one. I mean, we, we had real talk last week, didn't we? And uh, I've got a lot of great feedback on that. And uh, God, is, God is using his word every day. I see him using it in, in your lives and in mine. And last week, Paul instructed us to be intentional in our efforts to serve Jesus to grow our church, just like Paul was doing. But today, Paul closes the letter of Galatians with his most important message yet. I don't know about you, if you ever go to a friend's house, or like sometimes Don and I will go see friends that live in far-off places that we haven't seen in a while, and we'll, we'll spend time with them. And, and one of the main things you want to do before you leave, you want to make sure that you tell them how much they mean to you, because quite honestly, we don't know when we'll get to say that again, right? 
Well, this is, this is Paul's love letter to the church of Galatia. And his love letter to you, my friend, and to me today. Is say, to, of all these things I've said in, in this letter to the church of Galatia, I want you to remember this one thing. And so he starts with verses 11 through 13. And if you've got a copy of God's Word, Galatians 11, excuse me, Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. If you don't have that uh, Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. Or if you have the Bible app, you can follow along. For our friends that are watching by way of Facebook, there is a link in the description. You can click that there as well. Well, for verse 11 It says, notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to become circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision Don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so that they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. So what we see here is religious duties apart from Jesus are self-serving. What do I mean by that? In the passage, we see that there was a group called Judaizers. In other words, they were trying to make the Christians Jewish as well by keeping some of their commands. One of them was circumcision. That was something that is done to males when they are born to uh, help them uh, be healthy. And uh, if you want to know what that is, ask your parents what that means. But basically, it's not something that I would want to have to go through as an adult today. Um, But this was something that all males of the Jewish faith This was done to them. And if it was not done to them, they were not considered a Christian. That is why many, even in the Bible, biblical heroes that were not Jewish, at some point God mandated them for them to have this process. Now that has to be a God for a man to undergo that. But we see here that the issue here is not the circumcision that Paul is trying to address. First and foremost, I think probably... Um, our younger folks here could probably pick up on the theological significance of this. But what does it mean when there's all capital letters in a text? Somebody's shouting. Somebody's mad. There's emphasis. Or they don't know how to use their phone and get the caps off. One of, the two, one of those three. But what we see here is that Paul, back in that day, it was customary for these biblical writers to have scribes. In other words, they would sit there and talk what God laid upon their hearts, and these scribes would write them, write those things down. So in this passage, I can envision Paul placing his hand on the scribe's shoulder and asking, hey, buddy, let me see the pen for a minute. I want to finish this one out myself. So that's what he did. And he, this is not the first time Paul did that in his letters, but he's doing this for emphasis. He's doing this... For a personal touch. That's just like when I write letters to people. Uh, nine times out of ten, I will type them so you can read them. But at the end of because I have the signature of a doctor. I don't have the pay of a doctor, but I have the signature of a doctor. But I will type out a letter, and then I will sign it at the bottom just to give that personal touch, maybe a little personal message, just to know that it wasn't some kind of form letter, but there was some thought and some intent into that letter. And that's what Paul is doing here. 
Still, after Jesus' ministry on earth, I mean, this was the church was fresh. There were still those religious Jews that did not want to surrender the fact that Jesus alone, Jesus by himself, Jesus alone was the means to having a relationship with God. They did not want to give up their power and their influence over people. So they said, hey, it's fine if you want to be a Christian, but you need to do this also to be right with God. Now look, I am, as I said earlier, <coughs> I am unashamedly a Southern Baptist, and we and other churches and other denominations have been known sometimes more for our traditions rather than our faith. For example, sometimes uh, it used to be thought if you came to church and a woman was wearing pants, that was a sign that that woman was not very chaste. Thankfully, we have gotten away from that. You don't wear hats in church. You don't go to moving pictures, what we call movies these days. You don't date dip or chew or date girls that do. You don't do any of those things. We were all taught about what we should and should not do, never mentioning the fact that Jesus Christ is the way to salvation. My friends, let me tell you something. If you think that serving Christ is anything except loving Jesus and accepting his will for his life and doing his will, then you are following a religion and not a relationship with the Lord. You see, this message completed the truth of the gospel message. Because the, the Judaizers, the religious folks here, they were making all the emphasis what we do on the outside of our body. The, the things that we do that make us look like we are a Christian. I'm going to tell you today, y'all look good today. I'll, I'll tell you this all the time, but you do. Y'all got your Sunday clothes on and you're looking good and you're waiting for me to finish up so you can go get a meal and then take a nap. I know how it goes. I might be thinking that myself. But the truth of the matter is, folks, is that if I or any other, any other teacher have ever told you that you need something in addition to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, that's wrong. Because let me tell you something. The gospel plus anything means nothing. The only thing that you need for the gospel message is to believe that Jesus Christ is God's son, that he lived a sinless life, and that he died a sinner's death, bore your sin on the cross so that you could accept him and the payment of your sins would be saved. That is Christianity. That is why we are here. That is why Homeland Park Baptist Church exists, is to get that message out. You see, the, the cross is central to our faith and all of Christianity. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 14 through 16. Here's Paul again. He's, he's closing out this letter and he says, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. He's saying, there is nothing this world can give me that will be as important as what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. There's no pill. There's no habit. There's no celebrity. There's no relationship. There's no self-warm fuzzy that I can have that will match what Jesus Christ has done for me on the cross. He says, in the world... Um, my interest in the world has been crucified and the world's peace, uh, excuse me, and the world's interest 
in me also has died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon you all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. I love it when he says, what counts? What matters is that you have been transformed into a new creation. I do not care how many church rolls your name is on. I don't care how many stacks of baptism certificates you have in the back of your Bible. I don't care who your family was or if your grandfather was a preacher. So you think that by heredity you're going to be into heaven also. None of those things matter. What matters is you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Through the cross. You see, Paul boasts in the cross. Let me go ahead and tell you something. We, we have used probably, if I were to have a, a fact checker go back and look at the video and between this and life group uh, this morning, uh, probably have said the term the cross 50 times when you say. We, we hear it a lot. Matter of fact, we have one right behind us. I'm really excited this year. Uh, we have some folks that are going to be putting a decorative cross out on the, the front yard there with flowers on it. It's going to be all pretty and Eastery. It's going to really dress it. It's going to be very, it's going to be beautiful. And the cross is a beautiful thing. But I want you to understand in the context of what Paul was saying, the term the cross was such an awful word, they didn't even say it. In other words, we don't want to say the word the cross. You know what they called it? The unlucky tree. And Paul is saying, this thing that y'all cannot stand to even say, I am going to glory in it. I mean, think about it. Of all the things that Paul could have gloried in, Jesus' birth, Jesus' life on earth, the miracles, his, his own transformation on the road to Damascus, these are the things that Paul could glory in and make his main thing. But no, it is the cross. Because the cross is central to faith and Christianity. I'll put it in perspective. That would be like me saying, you know what? I am going to glory in the electric chair. I'm going to base my life and my ministry all about the electric chair and lethal injection and other forms of capital punishment. I know it sounds bad to you, but that's what I'm going to glory in. That is what the people heard. They're hearing Paul saying, I am glorying in the most horrendous piece of punishment that any human has ever designed was the cross. The Romans were pros at pain. And the cross was their most painful design ever. Why did Paul glory in the cross? Well, the cross proclaims that all who invite Jesus Christ into their lives are justified towards God. Now, justified is a church word. What does justified mean? It means that Jesus Christ makes you just as if. You never sinned. That's what justified means. And so it was a particularly cruel form of punishment as victims sometimes endured several days of agony before dying. I used to think when I was younger that the, the, the killing mechanism of the crucifixion was the nails and the hands and the feet. No, my friend, that was not it. It was purity suffocation. You would be hanging from that cross. You could not support your ribcage. And so basically your lungs would fill with, with your own fluid to where you would drown from the inside out. And if you weren't taken 
I mean, if you were taken too long, they would break the prisoner's legs so that they could not die faster, so they could not support their weight. But imagine that on that day. We'll talk about it more in Easter, but you're going to have three crosses, right? You have Jesus in the middle. You have a thief on both sides. Here's the thing. Of those three people, the one in the middle was innocent. And if you go back and you read the account, one of them said, Oh, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, get us off of this thing. But the other one said, If you are who you say you are, remember me when you go into paradise. He believed he was who he was. So, folks, I don't know what you've done in your life. I know what some of you have done, but I don't know everything. And you don't know everything that I've done. Isn't that cool? But you know what? Jesus does. And if Jesus can tell a thief who was guilty and in the middle of his execution, forever you will be with me in paradise. Right before they throw the switch on that electric chair. Right before they put that lethal injection into that person. If they repent, Jesus will say, you will be with me in paradise. So, well, that's not fair. You mean that person can live like they want and then at the last minute just kind of scoot in? I wouldn't say it's fair, but I'll tell you this much. They lived their life without Jesus and finally found him at the last minute. Think about what they missed. Well, soldiers, soldiers escorted Jesus and, two, and the two men condemned from the guardhouse. They were, even before they were crucified, they were whipped between 33 and 39 times. Not to get graphic, but it wasn't like going out and getting a hickory for your, your mother to whip you when you were younger. It's not like those, those, those paddles with the ball on the end of it that always my ball would disappear on that thing, but my mom would always pull that paddle out when I needed it, the Board of Education, if you know what I mean. But here's the thing is that those, whip, those whippings, they were with what they call a cat of nine tails. It was a whip that had several uh, strings or end, frayed ends on the end of it, and in those ends there were tied pieces of glass and rock that were designed to when they whipped the, the person those pieces would actually embed into the skin and pull it off. It would, it would look like hamburger meat. So Jesus and these criminals were already whipped like that beforehand. And then, of course, you know that they put his cross on his back. He had to carry that, and he collapsed under the weight, and there was an African named Simon of Serene who ended up carrying his cross they drove methodically the nails to Jesus' hands and the spike through his feet. And the crowd that he came to save was cheering, saying, crucify, crucify, crucify. They were spitting on him. They wanted to know why he couldn't save himself. They wanted, they wanted a powerful Savior that could save himself. They didn't understand if he saved himself, they would all be destined to hell for the rest of all creation. They did not understand what he was doing. They laughed. They mocked. They ridiculed him. Matter of fact, the guards, the reason he had a crown of thorns on his head is because they were mocking him as being king of the Jews. They put a placard above his head on the cross and said, king of the Jews. They, were, they thought it was a funny joke. Little did they know they were proclaiming exactly who he was on this cross. So my question to you and me is the obvious one. It's the same one the crowd was asking. Why didn't Jesus save himself? He could have at any moment said, oh, I'm done. These people aren't appreciating me. 
I've been away from home too long. I'm ready to go back to be with my father. These guys, look, I wish them the best of luck, but I'm gone. He could have done that, but he didn't. Why? Because of you, my friend, and because of me. Because if no one's ever told you this or no one's told you this today, I want you to know something. God loves you. Jesus loves you. And he proved it with his blood. But you see, only in Jesus Christ can we find the forgiveness of sins. There is no cleaning material that will wash your soul. He was bearing our sins on the cross. Are you crucified to the world like Paul said? Are you willing to place more emphasis on loving God and loving others? Or are you too consumed with living for yourself? I'll go ahead and give you this little secret. If your life is filled with your own problems and your own desires, you don't have room for Jesus to work in your life. So quit asking him to until you're ready to let go of some of your own drama. Jesus, like I said, hey, I want to, but <laughs> ain't no room for me. Will you? Be crucified to this world. Have you counted the cost of following Jesus out of love for him? Not some type of obligation or some type of guilt trip. Following Jesus means learning from him, obeying him, and putting your faith in the action. See, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you can, but you must carry your own cross. If, if I have preached or anybody else has preached to tell you that if you become a Christian, you're going to have a life full of roses and daisies and easy days and sipping tea in the, in the sunshine on a summer day, Mm-mm. there are great experiences by living for Christ. Most of all, no matter how bad this world gets, you know it's going to get better. We have the promise of eternity. But my friends, when the Bible says that Jesus says, I've come to give you life and give it to the full, that means he's giving you the good and the bad. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 45, God sends it rain on the just and the unjust. My friends, if it starts to rain and we go outside, whether we are a Christian or not, we're going to get wet. Life stinks. We live in a fallen world. Bad things happen to good people. But God is there for us. And Jesus loves you. The cross says... Come as you are. Faith is not about how good you are, how bad you are, how long you've gone to church or how long you've been out of church. If you've had a family member that was a preacher or the worst human being alive, the cross is an equalizer, my friend. It says whether you are a king or a criminal, both roads lead to salvation through and only through the cross of Jesus Christ. And then the third thing we see, and Donna sang about it earlier, is our scars bear the mark of Christ. Our scars bear the mark of Christ. It says in verse 17, From now on, don't let any trouble, don't let anyone trouble me with these things. I love this. Pure Paul fashion. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things. What's he talking about? He's talking about, those religious people that are saying you have to be circumcised to be a Christian. All these false doctrines saying, look, don't trouble me with this. You know better. Come on, church. Don't get caught up in these discussions that are not fruitful. Let's, talk about, let's discuss the cross. He says, for I bear on my body the scars 
that show I belong to Jesus. We're talking about Paul. He probably had scars on his wrist where he was incarcerated for preaching the gospel. He probably had scars on his ankles from being in prison for sharing the gospel. I am sure he had scars and dents and deformities for where he was stoned for preaching the gospel. (coughs) And he doesn't say, hey, let me tell you where I got this scar and look at me and how great I am. He says, every one of these scars scream the gospel. He says, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus Christ. My friends, I tell you this, if you want to know somebody that is a true Christian, they're not going to be the ones that look perfect with no blemish. They're going to be the ones that are going to be knocked around and scarred on the inside and the out. Because those scars bear the name of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 18, Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, with your spirit. Amen. Paul is staying laser-focused and urging the church to do the same. Paul instructs them to, to focus not on the religious duties, but on the cross. He was very concerned that the Christian church would be led away. You realize the highest conversion rates among other cults are people that are Baptists that don't know what they believe. Most of the people that convert to another religion came from a Baptist faith. Because they just take what the preacher says, they take the traditions, they take whatever everybody else says, and they never look for themselves. And they are easy pickings. He, Paul argued that salvation is a gift from God that received through faith in Jesus Christ, not by works or the law. Paul's scars, identifying his suffering, he emphasizes that he bears the true marks of Jesus Christ. We know even in Jesus Christ, as we look at his post-resurrection body, as he appeared to the disciples, he still had the scars in his hands and his feet. He could walk through doors and through walls, but yet he could sit down on the beach and have a fish dinner, fish breakfast with the disciples. That's pretty cool. So it wasn't like he was a, a ghost, you know, Casper the friendly ghost that could just go from room to room and haunt. He could actually eat something as well. Maybe that'll be a good clue to what our bodies will be like when we are in heaven. I'm not going to be walking through walls, I doubt it, but hey, it'll be fun anyway. If you follow Jesus, you will have scars, my friends, internal and external. And please, please, please hear me. Good Christian fellowship. Do not be the ones that are giving the scars if you are a Christian. Some of the most beat up people that have the most scars, they were inflicted by churches and church people. Just being real. We don't need to be scar givers. We need to be the bomb that helps heal. We need to be those that are more concerned about Jesus and the gospel than the appearance or the image of somebody else. Because, my friends, there are people in this community that are scarred and nobody wants to touch them. What do you think Jesus thinks about that? Jesus' scars and Paul's scars remind us of all the powerfulness 
of God's grace and mercy. A friend of mine wrote a song years ago when we were in college. I love that song. You'll never hear it probably. But it's called A Scar is a Wound that's Healed. Think about it. We've all got scars in our lives, but where there is scars, there where there are scars, there is healing. The theme of Galatians 6, 11 through 18 is that through the cross of Christ, we can be transformed and live according to the Spirit and reaping the benefits of eternal life. That is what, as we close up Galatians 6, that is what this says. And then Jesus says later, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There is somebody in here today that your soul is worn out. You have been carrying your burdens far too long. And Jesus is saying, you are in the right place. Give them to me. Let me carry it for you. The cross of Jesus is where you find love and mercy. The cross is the only way to God through Jesus Christ. Don't get caught up into the external things, thinking you are religious. Cling to the cross. Trust his scars and give your life to him. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our time this morning. And God, as I think of the cross, it's so much more than a a decoration or a, a showpiece in the church or on somebody's person. It is where you did the ultimate act of sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. The punishment and the death that was meant for us was placed upon him so that we could be with you forever. God, we hear so much about the cross and so much about Jesus in church. Sometimes I'm afraid we become desensitized to it. But may we all in this moment feel the weight that it was our sin, my sin, that put Jesus on the cross. And if there's one person here today that would say, I can't, I can't make it anymore on my own. I need Jesus to come into my life. I need that transforming spirit that this Bible talks about. I want to know for sure today that Jesus died for me and that I am saved and that I will have eternal life. Please respond during this invitation. I'm telling you, my friend, if, if you can't stand up in a room of people that love you and support you, you have no hope of standing up in the world. Or if you maybe want to join this church or be baptized, whatever your decision may be, this altar is going to be open. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand and sing?